This is First You Hustle, a podcast from the Columbus College of Art and Design meant to help students and budding creative professionals put their expertise to use. I'm Jordan Bell, and spring is in the air. Or if you're still job or internship searching, it's more like, ha, spring is in the air. And you might not be sure what to do. In fact, you might think there's nothing you can do because there's nothing left to apply to. You've applied to every single possible position you could possibly find, and there is just nothing. Well, I've got good news for you. That's not exactly true. And today I'm going to walk you through an exercise to show you just how untrue that is and how there's always something more you can be doing. It's all about organizing your job search and then making small adjustments that will net big gains in what you can apply to. Hey, speaking of small things, we'll look at the 1994 movie Pulp Fiction and what it teaches us about small talk and how that can be something highly beneficial to you when you're out there networking. What do they call it? They call it uh, Royale with cheese. And we'll teach you how to make small talk a useful tool in your job search. It's all coming up next on First You Hustle. Hi there, and thanks for joining us. Today, I'm going to talk about managing your job search in a way that will make sure you never get stuck. It's easy to think that you've looked everywhere and applied to everything, but that is seldom the case. I want to take you through a quick, relatively simple exercise that will help illustrate how you can always keep your job search active. One of the things I hear most from job seekers is that they feel stuck. You know, they've looked everywhere. There are no jobs. They checked everything. But that isn't always necessarily true. In fact, I find it's usually the opposite that's true. Think of your job search as a series of knobs. There are four knobs in total. These are typical knobs. If it's all the way to the left, it's zero, and if it's all the way to the right, it's as open as possible. Let's go through the first three knobs. They're labeled job function, industry, and geographic location. Let's say your dream job is to be mayor. And I'm going to use this as an example to keep things simple. The mayor is the highest ranking municipal official. So the job function here is mayor and the industry is municipal government. So our knobs are job function one, industry one. And where do you want to be mayor in Columbus? That would make your geographic location Columbus one, just one place. So how many available jobs are there? Just one. You could be mayor of Columbus, given the criteria we just set up. Well, let's dial out the geography a little bit. Let's say you want to be a mayor of a municipality in the Columbus area. And for simplicity, let's just say that's the immediate suburbs and enclaves. Just by increasing the geography footprint, just that tiny little bit, your number of available jobs jumps up to 11 because you have Gahanna, Westerville, Worthington, Dublin, Hilliard, Grove City, Upper Arlington, Grandview, Bexley, and Whitehall, in addition to Columbus. And let's just adjust the other knobs a little bit. Mayor would be great, but what are you actually interested in doing? Do you want to craft policies and affect direct change in your community? There are many ways you can do that. So let's add an additional job function, city council. It's just one job function. If you can't be mayor, you're going to be city council member. So job function now is up to two. And industry is still one, municipal government. And our geographic footprint is looks like 11 different places. So now your number of available jobs is 88. We just made those two adjustments. We went from one job we could do to 88. If you're trying to follow my math, there are 11 mayors collectively, 
and each municipality has seven council members. So there are 77 city council members across all the cities mentioned, plus our 11 mayors is 88. And we could add 15 more possible jobs by changing the industry. We haven't touched the industry yet. What if we include state government and consider the equivalent of a council member at the state level to being either a state representative or state senator and the chief officer being the governor? There are 10 state reps in Franklin County and four senators. So we are now at a total of 103 jobs. That's 88 plus 10 plus four plus one governor. We could keep going. That number will grow fast and we adjust the geographic footprint each time by adding additional districts and municipalities. But let's say that we're laser focused on being elected to office at the city or state level. And due to circumstances, it cannot be outside the geographic area that we've already established. So we're kind of set in our 103 jobs. Then what? Well, I mentioned four knobs when we began, and we've only talked about three. The fourth knob is one that you can't adjust, but it's one that you have to consider. That's time. If you are locked into your job function, industry and geographic location, you'll reach a limit of what jobs are available. In that case, just give it time. In the case that we went through being elected, time is a big factor. Getting elected means fixed terms and a specific time of year when you can actually get the job, election day. Outside of this scenario, no matter what your criteria, time will be a factor. In that time, you may need to take on other jobs, get relevant experience or training, maybe even go back to school. In most situations, the time that it takes doesn't mean you have to do one of those other things, just means you have to keep applying and networking and making sure that you're submitting high quality applications. But at some point, you might need to consider, am I ready for this type of job yet? Am I ready to be governor? And you know, if you're a college student, the answer is most likely no. It will take a lot of time to get there. And in that time, you should really consider other job functions that are more accessible, but give you the skills and experience needed to someday run. For most cases, your job function will include entry-level positions, but using mid-level or senior positions to gauge your focus is not a bad idea. Want to be a creative director someday? Great. You won't immediately be that after college, but look at what positions commonly lead to that. LinkedIn and networking are great ways to discover those paths. Put those job functions into consideration. This is a good way to find many different paths to one dream job you know, location down the road. Think about the skills you have. What can you do with it? And who might need those skills? This is job function and industry, respectively. Now, you probably will and should have a favorite, you know, the ideal job, but add into consideration, especially if time is waning on, additional job functions that utilize the skills that you have, or look at additional industries where you can put that skill to use. These are the ways that you can maintain and grow your skill set while you continue to navigate towards that dream job. This exercise doesn't replace anything. It's not a shortcut. This is just a way to inventory what your job search includes. You'll still need to work on your presentation and application materials, portfolio, resume, cover letter, interviewing, and so forth. These are things to continually check in on while job searching. You will still need to network. And hey, that's a great way to find new job functions and consider new industries. But networking and being involved in the work communities that line up with your interests are key. This exercise, quite simply, is the rebuttal to there are no jobs. Well, there are. They are just hidden. And when you don't consider them as an option, then yeah, you'll think there are no jobs. I also suggest using a spreadsheet to manage your considerations. Create a list and include columns like job function, industry, and location, in addition to things like company name, job title, website, 
link to positions you found, contacts you know there, status. You know, do you need to apply? Have you apply? Need to follow up? Need to find contacts? And so forth. Use this spreadsheet constantly. Evaluate your progress and look for areas that need activity. By managing it in writing, as opposed to trying to manage it in your head, you can see things that are otherwise might slip away. You might look at your spreadsheet and think, oh yeah, XYZ company, I haven't looked at them in a while. Or it looks like I'm finding a lot of things at this one company, but I don't have any contacts listed. Maybe I should look at my network and see if I can make any connections. Not everything is simply submitting a resume, cover letter, and link to your portfolio. There's always more to do. But without managing your job search this finely, you're bound to get lost. You'll think you've hit the end of the road, but you haven't. There's always more to do. So think about your prospects creatively. Don't get locked into finding one job when you're qualified and able to do many, many more. I use government in our example just to illustrate the point, and it was actually really easy and fast to research the numbers on it. But this exercise works for all career fields. My undergraduate degree is in media production. I mostly did television, so my skills were broad, but my experiences were specific to live television. When I graduated, I was looking you know, at the media industry. I had many job functions I could consider on the producing side and production side. I could work for national networks or local stations. I could look at news, entertainment, sports. Sticking with production as a primary job function, that opened up non-TV things like marketing, corporate video, live events, field production, studio production. The list went on and on. But I also realized that I had experience and a high interest in a completely different area, education. And I knew the skills I had from college and my work in the field could be applied in education too. For example, this very piece that I'm doing right now. So I always considered a broad range of options. And I found success and motivation in one that led me into a career in higher education. That's the industry I work in as a career advisor. But I didn't abandon the principles, experiences, and specific skills from my, quote, creative training. And I think that's important to emphasize. I'm not telling you this to force you to consider non-creative industries, but just to show how creative talent can be utilized in industry that isn't necessarily thought of as creative. Creative talent is needed everywhere. So pursue your dreams. Go after that vision, but know that a dream and a vision of your career is often informed by external factors, what you see others doing, what is expected within a major or a degree. You might have a romantic notion of what a career looks like, and this is good, but know that internally, it is your values and motivations that ultimately make you enjoy your career choices. And sometimes the romantic external vision of what we're prescribed for our career is at odds with our internal values and motivations, but not always. I mean, it was for me, but it wasn't for many of the peers that I graduated with who are working in television as we speak. We just had different motivations in what we wanted out of our careers. We had different values. We wanted to work in different industries. So does that mean I was duped by my own dreams? That I failed? That I had the wrong values for what my major was? No, but it's easy to have those doubts when you enter college with one vision in mind and leave with another. The bottom line to this is to consider your skills and values. The job you'll find success in is the one that you love to do and also needs your skills. The job that is better off because you are in it. That's the job you want. Go after that dream job, but also include the ones that will lead you to the dream job. Sometimes that path is straight, but most often it winds in a way that is unique to only you. And trust that as long as you are utilizing the skills you know you are best at, and working in an area that is in some way meaningful, your career is moving in a positive direction.
And there will be times that one or both of those things are not apparent. It has at some point happened to just about everyone. That is a good sign it's time for a job change. And that's normal too. You won't be retiring in the job you get after graduation. And don't forget to constantly reevaluate. Remember the knobs. Adjust them. Revisit your progress to see what actions you can take. Never stay idle. Never believe you've reached the limit of what you can apply to or what jobs are available. There's always more out there. Think creatively. Act creatively. It's what you know how to do best. But you know the funniest thing about Europe is? What? It's a little different. I mean, they got the same day over there that they got here, but it's just, just there, it's a little different. Example. All right, well, you can walk into a movie theater in Amsterdam and buy a beer. And I don't mean just like a little paper cup. I'm talking about a glass of beer. And in Paris, you can buy a beer at McDonald's. And you know what they call a, a, a quarter pounder with cheese uh, in Paris? They don't call it a quarter pounder with cheese? Oh, man, they got the metric system. They wouldn't know what the, the quarter pounder is. And what do they call it? They call it a Royale with cheese. Royale with cheese. That's right. What do they call a Big Mac? Big Mac's a Big Mac, but they call it Le Big Mac. Le Big Mac. <laughs> That is a scene from John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson in the 1994 Miramax movie Pulp Fiction, written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. The scene has become somewhat famous for a reason. These characters are hitmen. They kill people. They do highly illegal things, but in the car ride between jobs, they talk about McDonald's in Europe. Tarantino has made small talk a staple in his movies. These small talk scenes do a few things. First, They create a roundness to characters. The small talk reveals little details about what the character enjoys, how they interact with the world, their opinions, and secondly, it eases the audience as we connect to characters on harmless topics. For Tarantino, this creates a bigger swing for the audience when these small-talking criminals then burst into violent and aggressive acts. And for our lesson, that's kind of where Tarantino exits. Because small talk is something you should use to accomplish the same things Tarantino wanted to accomplish initially, which is easing your audience, creating a dynamic of likability and reality, making conversations happen easily and smoothly. The big difference is that Tarantino does this for dramatic effect later on, but you should do it for meeting new people and building meaningful professional connections. We've talked about networking on the program before. It's a very important aspect of your career development. It has come up in many episodes, and we even have one episode dedicated to it entirely, and likely more to come on the topic. But for today, I just wanted to focus on the important middle ground that comes after the firm handshake, smile, and introduction, but before you start talking shop or utilizing your network for professional purposes. How do you get someone to be comfortable and familiar enough with you to want to help? You can't introduce yourself and then ask for help. There's a little bit of courtship that happens in between. You need this person to get to know you, understand your background and career missions. But how do you get into that stuff? I mean, it's professional in nature, but it's also a little personal. Well, you also need to ease into that type of conversation, and this is where small talk comes in. It's an icebreaker. Small talk allows you to test the waters for conversation. How interested is the other person in engaging with you? Small talk allows you to test the waters for conversation. How interested is the other person in engaging with you? If you ask me how the weather is, and I just say, okay, and don't say anything as a follow-up, that's a good clue that there won't be much conversation happening. But if I respond in a more friendly way, making remarks that are easy for the other person to respond to, then we start to kindle a real conversation. This moves from meaningless topics to meaningful topics rather smoothly. After small talk typically comes what I call first date questions, like what the person does, what they enjoy about their work, how long they've been doing it, how they get into it. Be inquisitive. 
If you've small talked correctly, the person is at ease with talking to you and a rapport has already begun, albeit on a small level, but it is this foundation on which a better rapport will be established. When making small talk, consider a few things. Listen to what they are saying and respond to what they say. Do not live in your own narrative of the conversation. Be reactive and responsive to mood, tone, and topic. Come prepared with questions to generate conversation. Think creatively. Sometimes that is the best way to get a fun conversation going. Some of the best questions come on the spot organically, though. I've had conversations with people about what fruit they'd choose if they could only ever eat one piece of fruit for the rest of their lives. And it's because we bumped into each other at the fruit tray. It was kind of an odd question, but it sparked conversation and was fun. It also was appropriate in the setting. It was a networking event and the atmosphere was light. I would not have asked that question to someone at the fruit tray at a funeral. And let's say I float out an odd question like, what fruit you'd eat if you could only ever eat one fruit for the rest of your life? And they say, hey, that's a silly question. I can eat many kinds of fruit. Well, hey, clearly this person isn't someone I'm going to enjoy talking to, so maybe I should just move on. You might meet someone at a gallery opening and ask, do you go to a lot of gallery events like this? And they say they do occasionally, but not as much as they used to when they lived in Prague. Hey, Prague, that's interesting. So you chat about that and you find out they were in Prague for a few years because of their work and suddenly look at that, you're talking about work. So be open and curious. Do not criticize or judge. If conversations turn sour, just excuse yourself and move on. Also, avoid personal questions or topics too soon. Small talk is meant to ease someone in. Don't jump into the deep end. Through the course of conversation, I might learn about how many kids someone has and where they live, but imagine if the first question I ask them is, hey, how many kids do you have and where do you live? Small talk is about context, so never forget where you are, what kinds of people are there, and what the mood of the room is like. As with everything in your career development, practice makes perfect. So use this summer to practice your small talk. That weird fruit question that I asked, I had a hunch it might get conversation going because I've asked it to my friends before. And there's so many questions you can ask in that same format. If you could travel anywhere in the world right now, where would you go? If you were in the Olympics, which sport would you want to do? This one obviously is only usable every two years. What is an instrument you've always wanted to learn? And even if the answer is they've never been interested in playing an instrument, that's still a response and it's interesting. The point is, the substance of the conversation is secondary. It's the fact that conversation is happening at all that is most important. And even though you might think questions like, what superpower would you choose if you could have any superpower in the world are useless? Every now and again, you'll hear a really, really good answer. So get to know some people. Make your superpower the ability to spare people the suffering of awkward silence by always having a good bit of conversation to get things moving. Don't you hate that? Hate what? Uncomfortable silences. Why do we feel it's necessary to yak about bullshit in order to be comfortable? I don't know. That's a good question. That's when you know you found somebody really special. And you can comfortably share silence. Well, I don't think we're quite there yet, but don't feel bad. We just met each other. I'll tell you what. I'm going to go to the bathroom and power my nose. And you sit here and that's our episode for today and with summer around the corner it is our second to last of the academic year so thanks for being with us this far 
If this is your first episode listening with us, welcome. We're happy to have you. You can catch up on past episodes through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash firstyouhustle. Our theme song is Mr. Boogaloo by the Juanitos Creative Commons License from the Free Music Archive. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Oh.